that's forty low. Hello and welcome to the Forty Below sessions for Forty Below Volume Two, Alberta's Winter Anthology. Today's episode with Jen Vandermeer is sponsored by Hot Chocolate. It's hot, and it's chocolate, and it keeps you warm in the winter. Hot chocolate. Have some today. So we today we talk with Jen Vandermeer. Um, she has a short story in 40 Below Volume 2, and uh, I had briefly met Jen Vandermeer before when I uh, was a visiting, I guess I went to visit a creative writing class at Grant McEwen University in Edmonton and told them a bit about my life and how amazing uh, it is to be a writer and how much money I make and all those kinds of things. So we had met before and uh, we we start to talk a little bit about that at the beginning. And uh, just before we go to that, I just wanted to say that 40 Below Volume 2 is a book that is for sale and you should be able to buy it as you're listening to this podcast you can go to indigo.ca and search it and you can go to 40belowproject.ca you can go to your local bookstore and if they don't have it call me I'll take care of it make sure they have some so moving on let's go to my talk with Jen Vandermeer we met when I went to visit Jessica Kluth's class it was a creative writing class yeah and are you done school now? Are you still a student? No, I'm finished. You're all done? Yeah. And what were you, what did you take there? Um, professional communications. So the creative writing stuff was kind of on um, the side. Yeah, it was just an option, but it was probably my favorite class. And so is writing something you've always done? Always yes. Always like to do? Mm-hmm, my whole life. Like creative stories, and I would write in journals since... I can remember. I even have some that I look at and like it's before I could even write properly. <laughs> and so, the, you know, taking, was that the first time you've taken a creative writing class? Was Yes, a creative writing class, yes. Yeah. I've taken lots of writing classes, but that was the first creative one. What other kinds of writing classes? Um, mostly through school. I was at the U of A before I went to McEwen and um, I was majoring in English there, so I did lots of English courses and comparative literature and Canadian lit, so. Oh, yeah, I did comparative literature. That was my minor. Oh, I loved it. It was so good. Did we talk about this before somehow? Uh, I don't know if we have. I I think I heard you saying it in the class when you visited us, and I was like, oh, a person from, of my own heart. <laughs> so are you originally from Edmonton? Yes, I am. Born and raised. Mm-hmm. What was your, what was, I mean, not to put you on the spot, what was your plan going into the Grant McEwen, the, the professional communications? Um, what was my plan? I didn't actually have one. I knew I wanted something a little bit more gene- like general than teaching, because that's what I was in before. But I also knew I liked writing, so I just wanted to do something with that. And so you, did you have classroom experience and stuff before? Did you do teaching stuff, or you just took? No, I was actually right up to the point where I was going to be a student teacher and was like, no, I'm just going to bail on this. Did you bail because you heard, like, horror stories or you just thought it would be a bad idea? Um, partly horror stories <laughs> and partly, I don't know, I just felt really young. And since I wanted to teach high school, I felt like they would all be, 
like I look like a high school student, so it, I felt awkward. Yeah, we had a there was a social studies teacher. She was very she was very young, and she was also very very short. We had in high school, <laughs> and I think one time there was a friend. So of course we were always acting up and not doing what we were supposed to. And one of my friends got in trouble, and they you know they go yell at you in the hall. Mm-hmm. And she made him go on his knees while she really? yelled at him because he was too tall. So she didn't want to feel like she was yelling up, so she wanted to yell down. This huh, is, that's yeah. interesting. That was the old days. I mean, now probably couldn't <laughs> probably not. do that. But, I mean, he just thought it was funny, but it's really, I mean, it's hard if you feel like you're already kind of being physically dominated by, you're already outnumbered, yeah. right? You're already outnumbered, so... Mm-hmm. So when you, uh, just the last part about the, the creative writing class, so what, what kinds of things did you learn? You know, there's a, there's a few other people that are in 40 Below and who are either worse students at the time when they submitted this or they're kind of finishing up now. And mm-hmm. so I've been trying to ask a lot of them, you know, what kinds of things they got out of creative writing courses and what studying writing was <laughs> is like basically these days. I always thought I was naturally good at creative writing. So I didn't. I don't know, I guess I didn't think I would learn much, but I realized that there is a craft to it and a lot of like L-Y adverbs, don't use too many of those. Stuff like that has stuck with me. And people would always tell me to show, not tell. And it was really in that class that I started to understand like how to write like that. Yeah, we all, we're all still struggling with the showing. That yes. Time. For Snow Angels... The story you that's in 40 Below, mm-hmm. is this something that you wrote specifically for the anthology? Is this something that you had written before and thought it was a good fit? Um, I wrote it for my class. I started it in the class, and then I realized that it would be a good fit for the anthology. And uh, so is there anything, do you want to set it up in any way before you read it or just? I'll just go right into it. Perfect. Whenever, whenever you're ready. <coughs> The small girl, bundled in an old Hudson's Bay coat, pointed the tips of her black boots in the direction of the late afternoon sun. As she stepped onto the burnished ice, satisfying capillaries cracked their way away from her boot. One foot after the other, Ruby made a network of vessels and arteries across the otherwise unmarked sheet of crystal. The fracturing of the ice sounded like glass cracking, only deeper. She felt like a mythical creature as she journeyed across the ice, her feet following the uneven lines that sped away from them. As she neared the middle of the river, the ice turned from foggy white to sea green. Some days the ice turned to muddy brown, but on the right magical day, when the pine trees were reflecting on the ice, Ruby was able to see a beautiful jade color just out of her grasp. As she neared the center, the lines that shot away from her feet grew longer and deeper. The damaged lines looked like deep cuts that would need stitches. Ruby could feel her heart beating in her throat as she leaned over to catch a glimpse of the silver slivers of movement that shimmered far below the surface she stood on. She squinted, trying to see through the hot puffs of air her mouth wouldn't quit making. Ruby stepped back, always aware of the danger she put herself in when she tried to see the magical creatures in the turquoise looking glass. Ruby could still feel her mother's large hand touching her cheek as Ruby listened to legends of the creatures under the ice at every bedtime. The cracks around Ruby's feet started to appear at a rapid rate. Soon Ruby could see water starting to seep through the fractures. 
Ruby felt drawn to the green hue and decided to walk a few steps closer to the window. The ice groaned under her weight. There were more fish in the center of the river than she had thought. Ruby was hypnotized by their movement. She hadn't noticed pieces of ice starting to break away around her. Her black boots were soaked. Ruby took a few panicked steps backwards and slipped on the ice. More cracks appeared, outlining her small figure. She stumbled getting up, but she made it back to the solid ice without falling. Ruby surveyed the damage she had caused. Her pristine river was now broken. Ruby felt a pang of guilt knowing her mother warned against walking to the middle of the river in winter. She followed a jagged line in the ice back towards the bank she had climbed down. The line mirrored the heartbeat Ruby had watched, day after day as she sat beside her mother's bed in the cold hospital room. At the edge of the bank, the line was no longer jagged. It was perfectly straight. The sun was already descending, as it does at that time of year. The snow banks Ruby trudged through were glinting different shades of pink and orange as the only light in the sky started creeping towards the horizon. When Ruby could see her house nearing in the distance, she flopped down in an untouched clearing of snow and started flapping her arms and legs. Ruby made a snow angel. She made one every time she was done testing her fate on the river. This time, Ruby decided to make a friend for the angel. She made another and stood, dusting her mittens off on her snow pants to view her handiwork. As the pinks and oranges turned to purples and reds, Ruby smiled at the angels and walked the rest of the way home. Great. Thanks. So there's a few there's a few things going on in this piece. The, the That kind of phenomenon or whatever you want to call it of being able to see through the ice, mm-hmm. the kind of like the fish, you can see what's below right. through the ice. Have you ever seen that like personally? Yes. And uh, there's a story in the first book about that. And they think they, I forget what she calls it now. But there's a story in the first 40 below about that kind of phenomenon oh, okay. as well. Mm-hmm. So when have you, uh, is this on the, where have you seen this before? Um, I mean, standing on the edge of the North Saskatchewan, I can see things just on the frozen edges. And also on my aunt and uncle's farm, I would go on there like frozen sloughs and see things under there. And traveling in BC, I would walk across frozen rivers too. And I would see lots of fish swimming below the surface. And it just looks really cool. So there's uh, the the girl in the story, mm-hmm. and you were just talking about all the times you've walked out onto yes. frozen rivers. So she, you, that's coming from like personal experience. Yeah, I guess the act of walking out onto the river is from personal experience. Although Ruby takes it a lot farther than I would. She's doing it for a different reason. Yes, and there's a, I don't know if it's if you kind of hint at it early in the story, but there's a lot of talk about. So you have capillaries, there's arteries. You th- I think you probably talk about, you say, veins, mm-hmm. the cracks in the ice. There's another time when you say the, the crack uh, looks like cuts on the arm mm-hmm. that would require stitches. Yes. So there's kind of like all this, I don't know, medical imagery going yes. on. So what exactly, were, what, what kinds of things were you trying to do with this piece? Um, well, I partly wanted to hint at Ruby's mental health. Because she's a young girl, and I don't think she realizes that she's having such difficulties with her mother's death. And it's partly um, the medical imagery is from when she visited her mother in the hospital. It also hints at 
ways the mother possibly could have died, maybe mental illness is in their family. And I kind of wanted it to be in a way that mental illness, if someone has it, it's always a part of their life, whether they're aware of it or not. And when you're so young, you don't realize how it affects you. Yeah, that's. I'm, I'm glad that you, uh, though, I, it's nice to be able to ask the writer what the story is about. Because mm-hmm. you kind of, there's things in there that, you know, I think the thing that hits me the most is that she doesn't quite know how much danger she might mm-hmm. always be in. Then uh, towards the end, you talk about, you know, when she says testing her fate, but you're not really sure if that's actually from her point of view or kind of from the authorial narrator narrator point of view that says that right it's not like she says i'm going to test my fate today and walk out there Mm -hmm. she this is what she always does but it's you know it's not quite clear exactly what the reason is right but there is definitely it seems like there's a lot more danger the reader feels it more than she does at the beginning Mm -hmm. so the end the the way it kind of ends is it hopeful is it is there or is it just kind of like this is how it would go every time um that's how it would go every time. I'm, I don't really think it's that hopeful because when she's making the snow angel, it's always of her mother. And when she gives a friend to the angel, you don't know, like, is she going to test her fate again? And then she'll end up falling through the ice. So it's not exactly a hopeful ending. Yeah, she gives. Yeah, because right at the end, she gives the angel a little buddy. Yeah. And then you're kind of like, oh, boy. Yeah. So... Your relationship with with winter is positive, negative? Mostly positive. I mean, I have really bad circulation, so like if I'm standing out in the cold for too long, I've definitely had minor frostbite before. But other than those times, I love winter, and I think it's beautiful. And do you do any? Do you do any kind of winter? Is there something you always do in the winter time? Do you do any um, activities, things like that? Well, I always go skating, and I guess that's another time that I see stuff below the water is skating at Horlack Park on the little river there. Um, I go snowshoeing a bit, and usually just winter walks in the evening. Yeah, I've never uh, been at the Horlack Park pond a few times, but I've never seen that. Next time I go do that, I'm th- I'm probably just gonna lay on the ice. And just like put my face right on it, just so I could see if mm-hmm. I could see anything. And uh, while we've been talking, I've been trying to figure out the name of that st- that story, and I can't remember it. But it's cool that it keep that that idea comes up again in yes. this in this uh, collection because I think it is such a cool little phenomenon. It's might you know, phenomenon might be a strong word, but it is definitely cool to see. Definitely. It. Well, thank you so much for uh, for your piece in in the anthology and thanks for coming in to read it and and chat with me a little bit you're welcome thanks for having me